It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I say, as like a Trubisky truther, I mean, it does hurt me to say that, you know, I, I probably will be more like field average than than like underweight necessarily. I'm going to get some exposure just because I, I, I love playing a cheap Mitch Trubisky, but... You're right. The other part of this is, Greg, like, we need Detroit to make a game of this. Like, uh, that is no lock, right? I mean, they're going to be running dusty old Adrian Peterson into the line a million times. Kenny Galladay's still out. They just released Marvin Hall. Like, Detroit might even not, like, th- this This could just be like a 17-13 game or something, right? So, uh, it might not even come down to if Trubisky plays well or not. It might just come down to they don't need him to do anything. So, which is probably in the Bears' best interest, right? So, um yeah, there's a lot of things going on here right now. Uh, I, I like, I really wish he was going out like four or 5% on, but like I said, he's in the top three ownership. Um, I, and I'm surprised that there's a couple other guys who didn't get a little bit more pops. Like I thought Kirk cousins was going to be for sure. One of the chalkiest plays this week. And now he's sort of his, he's trending downwards. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather pay up for Kirk cousins right now. I've written up Kirk cousins as a really good leverage play the last two weeks with all the ownership on Dalvin cook. And I have not ended up with enough ownership on him either time. And he ended up being like somebody who won GPPs for people where it was um, cousins and Jefferson last week. And the week before was cousins, Jefferson Thielen stacked together. kind of as some leverage off of Dalvin cook. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on Kirk cousins. I do feel like we missed the boat a little bit on it though. Cause I think yeah. there was a really good spot to be on him. And now the price is up a little bit and the ownership's up too. to your point. It's not as high as, uh, as maybe we would have expected it to be, but he, he's also, he was somebody who was one, 2% on the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, realistically still five, 6% the ownership of, of what he was the last couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. So um, I was probably going to sort of, you know, like I was almost going to be in the same boat that I'm with Trubisky and now that I was going to be with cousins. Cause I figured, Oh, well, he's going to be chalky. I mean, look, it's, it's against Jacksonville. So, you know, Jacksonville could just not show up and then cousins might only have to throw 22 times, but you know, realistically the Jags have been putting up more of a fight lately than Detroit, quite frankly. And uh, you know, I, I think that the the Vikings are, are legitimately concerned about wearing Dal, uh, Dalvin cook out. So 
Um, I think there's more viability there with Cousins. And then you just add in, like I said, for whatever reason, Cousins is now getting like the lower sediment. Probably it, mostly it has to do with price. And, and I get that standpoint for sure. And that's why I'm still going to have some exposure to Trubisky. I mean, he's at the, at the end of the day, he's a 5,400 quarterback, right? Like if he gets 24 points again, you know, if we don't, I think week one, the other thing about week one was everybody went off. So, um, you know, if we get like a little bit of a score, a lower scoring week and Trubisky, it's 24 points again, that, that could really factor in. So um, yeah, I, I, I think the upside though with cousins is, is probably a little better. Yeah. So there's some other cheap quarterbacks that I just prefer to Trubisky relative to ownership. So like I said, I think Trubisky is fine. Too, so yeah, we should definitely talk about them. Yeah. Uh, so here's some of the ones that stand out to me. And these are just guys, it's not even that like, I think they're much better plays than Trubisky in terms of a point per dollar sense. It's just in terms of, I look at the ownership on Trubisky and it's like, is Trubisky at 5,400? How much, how, how likely is he really to outscore somebody like Jared Goff, right? Like, is there that much difference between the two? We've got them at about the same, the same price point. Goff is projected for, I mean, we have him for a couple less fantasy points right now, but whatever. He's much better weapons to throw to. And I look at Jared Goff, 5,800 at less ownership than, than Trubisky. I think that he's somebody that rather rostered. That's also a game that I think sets up really well from a game script perspective because the Cardinals are a team that plays pretty fast. are capable of putting a lot of points on the board. So Jared Goff, he also has a lot of receivers we could stack him with. I don't know who the hell I'd stack Trubisky with, uh, particularly if Allen Robinson ends up being ruled out. So yeah. I think that Goff makes some sense. How do you feel about him? Yeah, look, if, if Robinson gets gets ruled out, you know, you might just have to scrap Trubisky altogether. Um, so, again, we got injury stuff to look at. But, yeah, I, I can get behind Goff um, for sure. Uh, I, I like um, – and, look, I think that Arizona right now is – they're, they're essentially like a bit of a funnel defense. Like, I think, that, I think the game plan for the Rams is going to be very similar to what we saw when they played uh, Tampa which was they just pass on like almost every down. I think that's how you attack Arizona. So I could see that being a thing this week and Goff letting it fly like 50 times because he does that in spots and Sean McVay will do that in spots. So um, got to love Robert Woods. And again, if you like some of these receivers, like Woods is getting some, some high sediment around the league. Like you have to like his quarterback. I mean, uh, you know, someone's going to be throwing on the ball, right? So I know I can get behind the golf play. I definitely kind of like, looking at that Arizona Rams game as, as a stacking uh, opportunity anyways. So I agree there. And look, I, I think you can apply the same things that we're, we're talking about to Baker Mayfield this week. Um, Tennessee is, is letting quarterbacks just throw every, like every, every quarterback is throwing against Tennessee, Phillip Rivers, 295, two touchdowns here. Um, I know it's Baker. I know he hasn't done anything, but like he's 5,300. The spot is better for him than Trubisky, quite frankly. Well, it's, it's, it's similar. I think it's better in the fact that they're underdogs and there's good, a better chance he's going to throw 50 times. And, um, you know, he's got Jarvis Landry. Like, we finally saw what Jarvis Landry's upside is without Odell Beckham in the lineup last week. And I think you can get a, get a very similar situation there where Tennessee is better at stopping the run and, uh, and you're going to see Baker let it fly like 40 times. So 5,300. I'm a little intrigued there. Uh, if you're going to stack, like use Derrick Henry this week, I think coming back with the Browns passing game is, uh, could, it could actually work out. Yeah. And to your point there about it potentially being a better, a better game to target. I mean, look at the, the Browns Titans. I'm, I just went to odd shopper right now while you were talking and comparing some of the, the totals across the slate Browns yeah. Titans, 53 point total, the highest on the slate. Only a 45-point total for Bears lines. That is the yeah. second lowest total on the slate. The so, Titans are hitting overs at, like, an insane rate. 
they're like eight and two at hitting overs. So, yeah, and and it's also already a game that has the highest total. So that's it. Yeah. the the pace of play is definitely a concern for the Bears game. As if as if we say that everything else we're just confident in, like oh, Trubisky's going to crush. But but who yeah. knows what the pace of play is going to be like in Chicago? So the, I think there's a lot of concerns there for the kind of ownership he has. Uh, one other guy for cheap that that stood out to me, and it's mostly just a price point and ownership thing is Mike Lennon. So he's going up against the Vikings. This is a team that can be had through the passing game. And look at what Glennon did last week at just 4,600 against the Browns. Uh, he scored 18 fantasy points, first price point. That's fine. What was really encouraging, though, he threw the ball 35 times. So somebody who they're willing to have drop back and throw the ball that often at such a cheap price point, also his cheap receivers that we could that we could stack him with, I think that that's a, that's a good value play. Uh, I mean, the one thing about this slate, though, it stinks. It is so hard to find individual plays that I'm really confident in, but just points yeah. per dollar sense. I think that Glennon makes some sense. Is is that too crazy or, or are you okay with that? No, I, th- I think if DJ Chark wasn't playing, I would have said, you know, like who are you going to pair him with realistically? Like we saw, you know, it, a lot of those guys just didn't end up working out last week, but um, I think a Chark Glennon stack actually does make a lot of sense. Um, you get the big play receiver back there and look, we're talking about a stack that's basically 10 K right? If these guys get you what 50 points, which is doable, very doable. Um, like that's five X, right? So again, that's, that's, you know, going down to bare bones, but like, that's when, when I, when I look at those cheap stacks, I really, that's what you're, you're looking for. You're looking for a, like a really cheap, like 10 K kind of combined play where, you know, that one big play is going to set you over. And I think that's what you have there. So, and I agree like the matchup, uh, everyone's talking about Minnesota versus Jacksonville, but like the other side of that is really good. So I, I like shark, uh, this week since I brought him up and uh, you know if I like that then I kind of have to think Glennon at 4800 is in play too so no I I, I mean look if I, I brought up Baker Mayfield Greg so bringing <laughs> up Mike Glennon isn't uh, isn't terrible at all there right so yeah so do us a favor how about like the video if you're gonna play one of these terrible quarterbacks this week which guess what you don't really have a choice because all of them stink that's yeah. those are kind of the options we have on the slate the only the only really expensive quarterback that's getting ownership on the slate is Deshaun Watson. And yeah. frankly, I think that he's going a little bit over owned also because yep. he's pretty expensive at 7,500 on DraftKings, expensive on FanDuel also. As you mentioned at the top, no more Will Fuller. He's out due to a, a PED suspension, right? His, his hamstring holds together for more than six weeks. Oh, go figure. There was something else going on there. And, and also, he was not the only one on the team. Uh, Roby also was, which, by the way, I, I think not to get too far off on a tangent here, what a coincidence that the two of them test positive on the exact same day, have the exact same excuse, and we're like, we didn't know anything about it. How did, how did this happen? Supplement? Who knows? I was told this was on the up and up. Uh, but anyway, weird coincidence there. Uh, but more importantly, Deshaun Watson this week, it's a tough matchup against the Colts. He's really expensive. He doesn't have Fuller to throw to. I understand Brandon Cooks is also going to be really popular. So it's yep. easy to see who people want to stack with him. But this is another guy in Deshaun Watson who I think is going a little bit over-owned. And I'd rather roster somebody like Russell Wilson at, at about the same price point for about you know, two thirds of the ownership. So where do you stand on Deshaun Watson? Yeah, it's kind of funny. We talked about all these kind of lower owned scrubby quarterbacks, but that I think are legitimately in play, but we actually have, like you said, like we have Russ, Kyler and Aaron Rodgers um, and Herbert too. Like none of them are going to garner like anywhere near chalk ownership. These are the guys who have gone off in, in all types of situations this year. Right. So yeah, I agree with you on Deshaun Watson. Like I'll have zero. Um, I know he's playing well. It's a little bit of a risky fade, but like this is such a good bounce back spot for Indy, in my opinion. Looks like they're going to get DeForest Buckner back. 
Um, I, I just don't know what the upside is with Deshaun Watson without Will Fuller. Like at the, I think a good comparison is at the start of the year when Watson was playing poorly and him and Fuller weren't really connecting. I think you're just going to go back to that where, you know, okay, Deshaun Watson might still play well, but he's only going to get like 20, 22 points. Like at 7,500, it's probably not going to do it. Right. So um, that's kind of where I'm looking at there. Yeah. It's, you know, with, with Russ up there, uh, Kyler, just all those guys that I mentioned, I mean, I, I will just pivot to one of those guys. Um, I think uh, I think you I, I think you can make arguments for any of the four that I mentioned there. Uh, Herbert probably would be the last on my list if I'm going to pivot off um, Deshaun. But uh, you know, I, I think uh, guys like Kyler for sure uh, that Rams Arizona game I think just has a has a good chance of shooting out. So yeah, there's there's too many arguments. There's too many other lower owned plays up there for me to really like buy in heavy to Deshaun Watson this week. All right, so we threw a lot of names out there. Let's simplify this a little bit, just yeah. kind of as a, as a summation before we move on off the quarterback position. Jeff, who is your favorite expensive quarterback and who is your favorite cheap quarterback for this slate? The expensive one is tough because, like, like I said, I don't think there's much uh, part, like between those guys. I'm going to go with Kyler, though, because, like I said, I think that Rams-Arizona game just has the best chance of shooting out. And for cheap, and again, I'm, we're talking GPPs. I'm not talking cash game here. I'm just talking like, who, who would I pivot to? Who would I like to build around? I'm going to stick with my Baker Mayfield call. I really feel like he is going to, he's going to be chucking it to Jarvis Landry a lot this week. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Russell Wilson and Jared Goff. I mean, I, I look at, I look at Wilson going up against the giants. The giants defense has been better than expected this season, but even so it, it's Russell Wilson. We've, yeah. we've seen him be able to go off in much tougher matchups and going up against the giants. The real tricky thing that we'll talk about when we get to wide receivers, as per usual, is who do you stack Russell Wilson with between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? You figure that out and you have generally unlocked the slate. But if you're able to get past the fact that you might get the wide receiver wrong and you're okay with just splitting exposure between the two, I think there's so much more upside in Russell Wilson than than some of those other chalkier quarterbacks. Like, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's chalky, uh, Deshaun Watson mentioned, I think there's more upside in Russell Wilson. So today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. So now, Jeff, we move over to the running back position. And one thing that was funny about last week is so we do this show at the same time every Saturday. And there was so much injury news last week that I want to say 45 minutes after our show is done, all of the information we gave out was basically defunct. Because like my, my highest owned running back play last week ended up being Naheem Hines, who wasn't even on our radar last week because Jonathan yeah. Taylor got ruled out like five minutes after our show was over. So hopefully we don't have another situation like that. And we do have some guys who have been ruled out ahead of time. Most yeah. notably, Josh Jacobs, who's not going to be playing. That leads to Devontae Booker being the highest owned player on the slate right now. So Booker most likely going to be starting at running back for the Raiders and a, a very favorable game script against the Jets. So what do you make of Booker and his ownership? Oh yeah. I, I mean, the ownership to me is, is, is a little insane here. Um, like we're not talking about like a 4k running back. We're not talking about like Jamal Williams when Aaron Jones got, got ruled out. Like he's still 5,500. So I guess people are just getting hyped about the matchup versus the Jets, which maybe is legitimate. Um, he's not the only, like, I just feel like this is an overreaction for a couple reasons. One, again, the price, he's not man price. And the other thing is, like it, people are acting like he's the only running back who's going to get touches. I, I guarantee you, Jalen Shard can get touches in this game. Like I don't, I don't. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, I, I don't know if you can put Booker in for that big a workload compared to what he was getting. I think it's going to be bigger, but... I just, I think there's still like a lot of question marks here. So I'm interested in him, but like, I'm probably not going to be going over the field or anything crazy like that. And the other, the other factor in, right? Like it's Devontae Booker, right? It's like, this is a guy who was cut by the Broncos. He's actually looked okay this year, I guess. And, and John Gruden obviously likes him, but I don't know. Um, I, 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 Max for me would be like just trying to get to the field average. And I think there's a, probably a better chance that, that I end up uh, underweight on this guy. So I'm, I'm going to really stick your ass to the fire here. Devontae Booker and David Montgomery, the same price. The two oh, highest-owned players on the slate. Which one of the two is a worse <laughs> chalk play? Which which one's worse? Yeah. Uh, probably Booker. Because um, <laughs> realistically in here, that, that that's a, it's kind of what I alluded to. Who is David Montgomery coming off the field for? Okay, they're going to give a couple carries to Cordell Patterson. Montgomery's playing like 80% of the snaps, right? Um, Booker again, it's John Gruden. Theo Riddick is there now, apparently. Like Gruden will find ways to get other people involved. That's what he does. He likes to rotate in the running backs. He rotated in Josh Jacobs. That's why we all like Devontae Booker because he was getting carries, right? So um sadly enough, as much as even though I like Booker more as a pure player, uh, I would say he's probably the worst play. How many times has David Montgomery been chalk over the last year and a half? What, 10 times? And what what is the average? Eight fantasy points in those games? Yeah, I think I, I, <laughs> no, there's there's never been a guy who's busted more frequently as a chalk play at David Montgomery. And it's not to the point that I say, like, oh, David Montgomery's chalk. There's some kind of mystical force that means you can't play him. The issue is that he just never has good games. He's had like three good games in his entire career. So just by the odds, when he's chalk, he doesn't have good games because he just doesn't have good games. So I think people are looking at last week, oh, David Montgomery. Uh, 28 fantasy points against the Packers. That's really good, but it was also his best game of the season, and it was only the it was only the second time all year that he's gone over 20 fantasy points. Yeah. So it's not to say that David Montgomery is unplayable. I just can't imagine that I'm going to be close to the field in terms of his ownership because I, I just don't think the upside is is really there for him because it generally hasn't ever been there. He had a good game last week, and now what? Trubisky takes over quarterback instead of Foles, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's David Montgomery time again." Because because this this has worked every other time we've done it. So I think that's what I'm a little confused by is just how did the ownership get this high? Like, what do you think it is that people see in Montgomery? Is it is it just how well he played last week? It's well it, that it definitely factors into like the psychological aspect of it. Like people want a reason to play a guy at 5,500 who's getting who's getting so many uh, touches, right? So, I mean, seeing that he there's some confirmation bias that like, oh yeah, okay, this guy can go off. Yeah, I, I definitely the game last week helps. Um, but you're right. I mean, look, it's the Packers. Like the Packers let everyone score when they're up by like 20 points. Like that's just what their defense does. So you can't really build, uh, uh, read much into it. But like the biggest thing here is we're all suckers for guys with opportunity, right? And rightfully so. And I think that people... I think that the the general field has gotten a lot sharper on this. Like, you know, when guys are getting 80% of the touches, eventually they're going to go off. Now, you're bang on. Like, David Montgomery is not a good NFL player. Like, he's not good He because he's gotten 80% of the touches um, numerous times before. And, like, he had, he's had one good game. So, 
maybe it's not all him. Maybe it's it's part of the, the Chicago O line as well. But regardless, um, like it's 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 affecting his play, right? So yeah. But uh, at the same time, you know, you asked me who who I think the better plays. I do still think it's Montgomery because of that workload. So um, it's a tough spot. I would much rather be at the field average on Montgomery, and I might even be uh, just a fade Booker. But um, yeah, the, the the real answer is like I'm not in love with either of these guys. Uh, I'm looking to pivot off both of them. Uh, I like Jonathan Taylor, 5,700. I think that spot against Houston could really see a lot of uh, workload from him. 22 carries last time out uh, before the COVID thing. Uh, Wilkins was banged up a little this week too. So that's a really good thing for uh, Taylor uh, potentially to get a big workload. So let's talk about some of these high price guys now. We've got Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry. Neither of them really picking up all that much ownership. We're looking at people generally going to Booker and Montgomery. They're, you know, about 10-ish percent higher owned than, than Cook and Henry. So with that in mind, I do think that it makes some sense to pay up at the running back position this week. There is a lot of value at the quarterback position. We throw out some guys, you know, Mike Lennon, Baker Mayfield. You could certainly make the case for Baker Mayfield and Derek Henry in the same lineup. There are some cheap wide receivers that I think are viable. Uh, this is this is a tough slate where I think a lot of people are looking at some of these mid five five k price range guys and just being like, hey, I'm going to load up on these and just go with a really balanced lineup. I still think this kind of sets up as a decent stars and scrubs lineup. Uh, I, I mean, slate to build lineup. So, Dalvin Cook versus Derrick Henry. I think that's one of the tougher situations to figure out in terms of which guy we prefer to roster. It's Dalvin Cook for me going up against the Jaguars. I understand that Cook was not great last week. It was his worst game of the season. And on the flip side, Derrick Henry had one of his better games of the season. But so we just look at the ceiling. Dalvin Cook has had more 25-plus fantasy point games than Derrick Henry's had this year. Henry's actually only had two of them, I think. They're both massive games. But the reality with Derrick Henry is that he's much more boom or bust than I think people realize. Um, well, actually, he has a 30-fantasy point game, 43-41. But if you take those games out, and obviously it doesn't work that way, he's only averaging like 15 fantasy points. So Derrick Henry is somebody who generally is kind of like whatever, or he's really, really good, and there's not a whole lot of in-between with him. Dalvin Cook on the whole has been better this year. And I think the fact that their ownership is so close just speaks to what happened last week. So I look at Dalvin Cook, better matchup against the Jaguars than what Derrick Henry has against the Browns. The other thing to consider also is Dalvin Cook gets more work in the passing game. So I think that Cook is the guy that I prefer over Henry. Uh, what do you what do you make of the two? Which one would you be more apt to put into a single entry GPP lineup? So I, I, I look, I'm, I'm definitely agree with you on the stars and scrubs thing. There's value receivers in play this week. It's, I don't want to say it's easy to fit these guys in, but I like building around them too. And it also, it can let you uh, skip out on some of the chalk that you want to get away from too. Right. So hundred percent agree. Like this, this feels like a great opportunity to get in on cook and, and Henry finally at like decent ownership percentages. Right. I like using both of them this week. So I, I, if I'm going to use Henry though, it's more specific. Like I, I want to use Henry with like a Browns receiver or something like that. So you're asking me which guy I'd probably be overweight on or like using like a one entry, probably going to be cook. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree with basically, I'm just agreeing with whatever, everything you just said, <laughs> realistically, the only worry about cook is are the Vikings thinking about just taking back his workload a little bit. I, I'm not going to try and like dive into the psychology of Mike Zimmer. I, it is something I'm going to like, you know, research a little bit and, and dive into to see if I can, if there's anything else comes up on it today. But, you know, realistically right now, he got in a full practice, no injury designation. It sounds like it's just business as usual. So um, if it's business as usual, like if, and he's not the top owned RB. Yeah. I want, 
I want more Dalvin Cook than the field. So um, at the same time, like I said, I'm going to be working Derrick Henry in. I like the fact his, his number is up. I think his ownership projection might even fall by the time we get to the Sunday lock because more people um, just, just buy into some of these cheaper running backs or they just, you know, Dalvin Cook might even go up a little bit. So I think Derrick Henry still very much in play for GPPs. I like, like I said, I like the matchup against the Browns too, because um, I think Tennessee is going to win that game big. And obviously if I think that's going to happen, Derrick Henry is probably going to score points. So. so we talked about a lot of the more popular plays at the running back position. I know you mentioned Jonathan Taylor as a contrarian play you like at RB as a pivot off of Devontae Booker and David Montgomery. Are there any other contrarian plays that you think are worthwhile this week? Yeah. So I'm not like super, I mean, we, we've already talked about uh, like guy, obviously, and, and we've talked about guys that I want to get exposure to and things like that. So I'm not super in love with anyone else. Um, like to the point where I just want to like bang the drum and be like, Hey, like you guys really gotta, gotta take a look at this. I might take a look at Karen Johnson. Uh, if uh, Deandre Swift gets ruled out uh, again, just he, he's going to handle the passing downs. He's 4,400, you know, Detroit's projected to be behind. That's a possibility, uh, especially if you're playing Trubisky. The, uh, I like to correlate in a lot of lineups as much as possible. Um, I think that's got a, a smidgen of viability. Um, but again, like there's not a ton of cheap plays. Like if I'm going cheap this week, it's definitely going to be a wide receiver. Um, there's there's really not like any other plays here that I want to just uh, like jump on. I do like Jonathan Taylor, though. I really like that spot. I think the other play that you could make some – some kind of argument for there is Miles Sanders. Um, I like targeting the Green Bay defense a lot. Like we, again, you saw it with David Montgomery. Um, yeah, Green Bay is going to score some points here, but like they're so bad at protecting leads late. And, and they're very much just like a version of Seattle in that regard. I think this could be the game where Miles Sanders uh, just breaks out a little bit, perhaps breaks a long run. Um, and no one's going to own him at that price, I don't think. So I think Miles Sanders is probably going to be like another guy I'll mix in again. And you don't need much Miles Sanders to get over the field. So I could see myself using him, you know, Eckler's getting up there in ownership. It's not really the greatest matchup. I like Austin Eckler and that paid, that paid off pretty well for us last week, Greg, but um, you know, now his, his price is up too. So I look at those kind of like 6k uh, running backs, 5k running backs. And I think Taylor and uh, Sanders might be like guys I'll mix in. So here's the one issue I have with Miles Sanders is I, I think as a general rule, I think we should be targeting running backs going up against Green Bay. We've seen them uh, even against bad running backs like David Montgomery teams that can't run the ball. They give up a million yards. It's been happening last week since the playoffs when there was the Tevin Coleman or was it the the Mostert game where Mostert ran for like 200 yards and four touchdowns in the first half or something like that. And it seems like ever since then, they've been getting gouged on the ground. Here's the issue I have with Miles Sanders, though. Does it matter if he doesn't touch the ball? I mean, he had he had six carries last week. He had two receptions. It's it's so crazy. Like, why is it that Sanders isn't getting more work in the in the passing game and the running game? It's it's because Doug Peterson, quite frankly, um, I don't think Doug Peterson can help himself with the, the rotating running back. So, and again, you know, it it makes him insanely risky, but it also is going to lead to insanely low ownership, right? So, um, not a play I'm saying suggesting by any means. You need to be like in crazy over the field but we're talking like you know five lineups uh, out of 100 you, you'd be overweight on Miles Sanders at least I think you'll probably be overweight right so um, maybe it's more of like a, you know it's like I said you're injecting Derrick Henry into your your uh, Browns passing stacks you're injecting Miles Sanders into your Green Bay passing stacks right I think he's going to be a good comeback play or he could have that potential right so um, I think the other play actually uh, yeah I kind of wanted to throw out there maybe Chris Carson too um, although now it looks like he's kind of in a similar situation but 
but just in terms of workload, but we do know that Pete Carroll loves him some Chris Carson. So I think his workload will probably go up uh, Seattle 10 point favorites there. So um, could be a good leverage play. I don't, I mean, Russell Wilson's not going to be super chalky or anything, but you know, um, Metcalf might get up there in ownership. So Carson could be uh, a good leverage play there. Well, how about on the other side of the game? We've got Wayne Gallman not picking up much ownership. Is Gallman going to rush for even four yards a carry? Probably not. But you know what the Giants are going to do? They're going to give him the ball a million times, which yeah. that's always nice. I mean, we talked about how key opportunity is. And Wayne Gallman, is he really any different than David Montgomery? I mean, we're talking about a guy who gets the ball a ton. Last week, uh, 24 rushing attempts, uh, five targets in the passing game for Wayne Gallman, only 5,600 going up against the Seahawks. So I'll say this about Gallman. I think that if you had to roster one guy in the same price range as those uh, cheap guys who are chalk at 5,500 as a pivot, I'd go with Wayne Gallman just because we know he's getting the workload. He gets all the touches in the red zone. I mean, over the last six games, he has seven touchdowns. He scored a touchdown in at least five straight games or something like that for Gallman. The Giants get the ball inside the five-yard line. They just give the ball to Gallman four times in a row, and they say, here, go score. And does he do it on the first time? No. Does he do it on the second time? No, not always, except they just give it to him enough times that eventually he gets into the end zone. So I just kind of look at the role that he's playing, and he's somebody who I think is going a little bit overlooked. Uh, I wish I had more exposure to him last week. Didn't end up being the case. I think this week with him being at sub-5% ownership, he's the guy that I'm looking to make as a pivot play. And the other thing, too, to some of those guys that you mentioned, like Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, yeah, I see the upside there. The problem is I don't know how much they're getting the ball. We yeah. know that Wayne Gallman's getting the ball. So, so that's kind of where I feel decently about him. Yeah, it, it, it makes it, again, like I really, like I want to like Chris Carson this week, but you're right. Like, again, and, and I throw those guys out there more as, and, but Chris Carson's more of just a one-off play. But, and I think if you're using him, it's, it's more of like to get leverage on, on Metcalf lineups. But, um, you know, I, I throw guys like uh, mainly Carson out there more as just like a, a tournament cor- correlation play if you're using a Green Bay stack. So you're right on the, the usage uh Gallman is is semi-interesting it's a bad matchup but like uh the usage is there I still think that I, I prefer Taylor as a pivot uh in that range I think uh, I really do feel like uh Taylor with that 22 carry game and now going up against the week the weakest run defense in the league that's too juicy for me to uh to turn down even if he is going to be splitting a little bit of carries with the mind so yeah I, I think uh, I think we're pretty much in lock like um you know not in love with anyone in the 6k range uh we like paying up and then the, the, the mid 5k range you can with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Either choose to eat one of the chalky guys or you can you know, pivot off guys like Greg and I like. Greg likes Gallman. I like Taylor. All right. Guys, we almost have 30,000 followers on Twitter. That's awesome underscore com on Twitter. 
And this is the race for 30,000 followers. This is like Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, the home run race. Remember, remember those glory days. It's like that. So we're, we're doing all kinds of giveaways and stuff like that on Twitter that you only get access to. If you follow us on Twitter, there's, you know, certain stuff like Monday night football contests where it's guess what quarterback is going to have the most passing yards and you could potentially win free subscription, awesome. plus stuff like that. Also there's exclusive giveaways on our awesome. fans, Facebook group. So go make sure to check those things out because it's a good way to get free stuff. And what better price is there than free? So let's talk about some of these wide receivers. Now we'll fuller out PED suspension. We've brought that up a couple of times, or at least I have anyway. So that is leading to Brandon cooks being the most popular wide receiver play on the slate. I get it. I, I think he's totally sensible. I've been on Brandon Cooks quite a bit this year. I don't know if there's more. I don't know if there's anybody who's been on Brandon Cooks more often for for good or bad than I have been on on him this year. He's led to some good slates. He's led to some bad slates. How do you feel about Brandon Cooks being in about a third of lineups this week at fifty six hundred <laughs> on DraftKings? Yeah, um, he's looked good. Like he he has looked pretty good uh, this year. I'll give him that. I've always liked Brandon Cooks as a player. He's never really developed into a wide receiver one, so I kind of given up on him in that regard. And and in that regard too, knowing Brandon Cooks hasn't really ever like flourished uh, as like the man, so to speak. It it makes me very wary in this spot. Um, you know, I. I again i already brought up the fact indy i think it's a big bounce back for them uh i think they'll, they'll key on key in on a cooks and just try and limit that because realistically like who else in this offense is, is necessarily going to hurt you uh you know if deandre carter or someone like that uh burns you fine but um I, I'm, I'm not really i'm not really here for it greg to be honest for chalk bread <laughs> and cooks um i just think that i, I look at wide receiver this week um there's too many cheap plays like under 5k that are in play um, who are going to be way lower owned, including including his own teammate Kiki Kuti. Um, there, there's Robert Woods at 5900, who uh, I'm falling in love with more and more as as we get closer to lock. And uh, yeah, there's there's just too many other plays now. Look, like you don't have to use a cheap wide receiver this week, but um, you know I, they're definitely in play. And um, again, you know even if you are going to go in the middle here, like with uh, with with some mid tier plays, like we already talked about DJ Chark coming back. Uh, you know, Robert Woods, again, if he's going to project with half or even like two thirds, the ownership of Brandon Cooks, I just think that's a better place. So probably just going to be a full on like fade for me for, for on Cooks here. Um, you know, the other factor is like, you know, Aiken's still in play. I mean, uh, he's going to garner ownership too. So are both these guys going to go off? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be in on Cooks this week. Um, Probably well, you gotta, not. You got to triple down. I mean, you can't get off now if you've been on. Well, you, you know, mean, you know, it's funny it's though. Is time to shine, buddy. Like one of my best weeks of the year though was week five when he went off for a, a million right. yards against the Jaguars. So, I, I, I mean, it's it's not like I'm pot committed. I mean, I'm kind of pot committed to Brandon Cooks, except he's just somebody who I've ridden all year and we've been through the good times. We've been through the bad times together. Uh, the week, week four, when he had zero fantasy points, that was one of the low points, but then he bounced back against the Jaguars. He had eight catches, 161 yards and one touchdown. I think he was like 2% on that week and I had a bunch of high finishes in tournaments. So I, I'm not necessarily in love with the ownership. I will say this cash games cooks has to be one of the first players that you put that you lock in because at his price and what his upside is, it's really hard to get off him in cash games. He's probably going to be like 70, 80% owned. So I think you absolutely have to play him in cash. Uh, GPPs, I'm probably going to be about the field with Cooks. I, I still think that without Fuller there, there's going to be a lot of target share. There is some some risk of a bust going up against a decent defense in the Colts. 
But just because of the price, the target share I expect, I'm going to be in on Cooks a little bit this week. You mentioned Kiki Kuti, who I think makes for a very good uh, leverage play. So Kuti at 3,500. The other thing I mentioned also is that I like some of these expensive running backs this week. So I think one way that you want to save salary and get to them is in any lineups you don't have Brandon Cooks, throw Kiki Kuti in there because it's not like the it's like no matter what happens with the Texans potentially maybe struggling to score the ball against the Colts, they're going to throw it a ton still. Yeah. We're still going to see Deshaun Watson drop back, you know, 30 to 40 times. He's going to have to throw the ball to somebody. And if it isn't Brandon Cooks, then Kiki Kuti could pretty easily back his way into having a good value game. We've seen him get targeted in the red zone over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And without Will Fuller there, I mean, who, who else is getting targets? Yeah, it's a good point. And I kind of threw it out on Twitter last night. Like somebody is getting like 12 targets here, right? Um, like it, it's, it's almost certainly going to happen. It might not be the most efficient 12 targets. And that is part of the reason why I'm a little bit scared of Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, even if he gets the targets, like he might catch like five balls, right? Because again, you're going up against a pretty good defense. So um, who knows that, you know, like Houston can't really run the ball and and Indy has their best run stopper back this week, uh, or at least it looks like they're going to get him back. So um, yeah, all things considered here, like uh, I think that everything is going to funnel towards the pass, but I'd almost rather take a shot with Kuti because he's 3,500, he's less owned. Like it just, it just makes too much sense. So I actually uh, am, am really warming up to that play. I, I, I liked Darnell Mooney. Again, this is like another thing with the Bears. Like I liked Darnell Mooney early in the week, but again, he's questionable. We have a lower point total game and the Bears are favored in that game. Like they're not, again, they're going up against Detroit. Like they're not going to be in the same situation that Houston is in. So it really lends itself to saying like, you should probably be playing Kuti over Darnell Mooney here. Um, you know, and uh, as far as, since we're on the, there's a sub four K guys, the only other players uh, I'm, I'm really, well, I shouldn't say the only other players, but the other players I am interested in this range. And again, I think I like them more than Mooney is, uh, is Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims. So, um, you know, the Raiders look, it's the jets, but like the Raiders don't bring any pass rush. Um, they don't have great corners. Like th- this is, this is a spot where Sam Darnold is going to be able to sit back there a little bit. So I, I think one of Perriman or Mims could easily smash the slate this week. Like I, I, we've seen Perriman do it before. I'm in on Perriman personally. Yeah. And, and to your point on Mims, he's kind of been oddly consistent since he's, since he's come back for the Jets and been a lot of, he scores like eight to 10 fantasy points every single week. And not necessarily maybe the greatest upside in the world, but I mean, they are targeting him downfield. He's been dealing with, you know, Joe Flacco, a quarterback for a lot of those games. So yeah. who, who knows? I, I mean, you look at how often they're targeting him down the field. I think there is potential for that upside. And the downside probably isn't really there because the last three games, he scored over 10 fantasy points in all of them, eight targets in all those games. So I think there is also uh, maybe a little bit more upside in, in memes and in Mims than people realize in a favorable matchup against the Raiders. And uh, the Raiders who got absolutely smoked last week against the Falcons, they were favored in that game. They ended up losing. I don't even, I don't even remember what the final score was like 31 yeah, like to three or something. Or yeah, or it, something. Was, like, it, it was, was, it was no good. Was it was no good. It was, it was the point where, you know, when Jacobs was, was questionable this week and he left the game with injury, I didn't even know if he was actually hurt or not. Cause it was like, well, they're getting crushed. What's the point of even having the starters on the field. I was tracking that game for DraftKings um, on our, on our like leaderboard live thing. And Every time we looked at it in the first half, it was, it was a turnover, turnover, turnover. And then all of a sudden Atlanta just started scoring points and it like never stopped. So it was a bizarre, bizarre game. Um, I don't know how much you read into it. If you're a Raiders fan, probably not too much. It was just a letdown spot, you know, Derek Carr getting his tires pumped for a week bound to happen. But uh, yeah, I I think you'll probably see the Raiders uh, bounce back here. 
uh, again, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm talking myself and Devontae Booker here, but um, you know, uh, again, I think it's a good spot for the Jets because that, that again, like I said, at the end of the day, the Raiders don't bring a pass rush. And I think Sam Darnold, when you give him time is, is, can be an effective QB. Uh, so I, I think this could be one of those weeks where maybe we should be even thinking about Darnold as a cheap QB because his, his receivers are so cheap, right? Like Perriman, Perriman, uh, Darnold is cheaper than Glennon Shark. Something to think about. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put minimal thought into it and probably not be on board with that. I mean, it's I, I think Perriman and Mims are, are fine as some individual plays, but I can't bring myself to actually make Jet stacks. They, they're they just not good enough. I, I made some bring-back stacks when they played against the Chiefs a few weeks ago, and it was a yeah. game where they were th- – this is what's so annoying about the Jets. They were losing that game by, like, 24 points, and they just punted the game after, they, after we got like midway through the third quarter. They were like, yeah. "Hey, you know what we're doing? We're just running the clock out, and then we're punting." Yeah. I don't. They didn't even throw the ball in the fourth quarter. It, it is true. Adam, like Adam Gase has one gear, and it's like second gear, and he refuses to get out of it, no matter what the score is. So, yeah, I, it, the the pace of play with the Jets is is definitely concerning. So you're right. Uh, probably just you know forget the the stacks, but I, I still like Barrman and Mims I, I mean, under four K, right? So. What do you think Gay says to the team in the locker room after the game? Like, what is it? Like, he knows he knows he's fired. Most of those guys know they're not playing in the NFL. I don't think he does know he's fired, Greg. I, I think he is one of those guys who it's like, you know, it's like the people who believe that, like, the earth is going to explode on, like, the Mayan calendar or whatever. Like, every time that it doesn't happen, they just keep talking themselves into, like, it's like, oh, it's just, it's like a year from now. So, Gase just comes in, like, don't worry, guys, we'll get it together. I, that, that's my take on Adam Gase. He's one of those, uh, you know, mind calendar, like the earth is going to explode soon. Gets them. I think he gets off the field and just walks to his car. I don't think he goes to the <laughs> locker room. There's no shower. There's no changing. He just goes home. Because, yeah, I mean, what's the what's the point? <laughs> they, they, haven't, they haven't won a game. The, the, season's to, the season's totally over. It's been over for forever now. There's there's nothing you could say to them. They must be the, the most, the weakest halftime speeches ever also. It's like, oh, guys, we're losing by 35 points again at halftime. But don't worry. We're going to punt the ball and run our way into losing just by like watch. They probably just, like, watch TV. Like, they watch, like, Game of Thrones at halftime. They're just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, this is my favorite episode of Family Guy. Watch this YouTube video. Uh, one, I'll say one wide receiver play that we haven't mentioned that I actually do like a lot is Sterling Shepard. So one thing we've seen about teams that play the Seahawks, Seahawks play at a pretty fast pace. They throw the ball a ton. If teams want to keep up with the Seahawks, they generally have to throw the ball. This is a really favorable game script for the Giants to have to throw. They're double-digit underdogs. And the target share for Sterling Shepard over the last few weeks, uh, since week seven, Sterling Shepard, eight targets, 10 targets, eight targets, six targets, eight targets. So the workload's there. He's the guy who's kind of been the de facto number one wide receiver for the Giants. Maybe him or Evan Ingram, you could argue either or. But Shepard's a guy who Daniel Jones seems to be locking on. Uh, the Seahawks are a team that are giving up a record amount of passing yards per game. So I think this is a game where Sterling Shepard, particularly in garbage time, because the Giants, unlike the Jets, are not a team that get down by 20, 25 points and just give up. They they still fight. They try to throw the ball a lot. So I think this could be a game where we see double-digit targets for Shepard, not a lot of ownership. I'm, I'm actually legitimately pretty high on him for this late. Yeah, one, uh, my, one of my takes this week, and I, I'm, I'm kind of on the same board, but I was more on board with Evan Ingram. Uh, at, okay. at tight end using the same but it's the same argument right like I think it, and it's probably going to be Shepard or Ingram um, and the argument for Shepard actually I actually went back and looked at Colt McCoy's targets most of them went to Sterling Shepard last week so 
Uh, he's definitely interesting. Um, again, you know, you talked about Gallman, and I, I, I understand that play. At the same time, we look at, at the game script for this game. Giants probably going to be behind, probably going to be passing late. So, um, you know, maybe I'm sure they're going to try and play it as conservative as possible with Cole McCoy. But, like, at some point, they're going to have to – he's probably going to throw, like, 35 times. So, I, I think one of, of Ingram or Shepard is, is going to have a decent game. And, and Shepard, a 5,300. Yeah, no, I can get behind that play for sure. Uh, already was was kind of thinking about it again you have another defense in seattle uh end of the game situation like uh they'll just give up points regardless like they just don't care they want to make the game as exciting as possible for their fans so um yeah i i, I like that call uh 5300 you know he's not projecting again but i'll just throw out the osmo ownership bus 5.9 percent owned uh you know he's coming in around the same uh, ownership as guys like kuti and Perriman. so um, you, you have to like that. Uh, you don't have to go overweight on him much either. And hey, guys, make sure you hit that like. We're almost at uh, we're almost at 100 here. There's like almost 500 people watching. So let's get over 100 by uh, the end of the show. And then, uh, you know, Greg and I can keep our jobs. That'd be cool. <laughs> and and before people jump on me about referencing Daniel Jones, the point I bring that up is just because we've seen the Giants really seem to lock on to uh, Sterling Shepard at quarterback at, at wide receiver. So even though it's a different why it's a different quarterback throwing the ball to the wide receivers, I still think we're probably going to have to see Colt McCoy throw to the same guys, particularly because oh, for sure, yeah. he's, he's not somebody who's going to be launching the ball 25, 30 yards downfield to Darius Slayton or anything like that, or any of the other giants wide receivers. I think he's going to have to look over the middle to, to guys like Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. So Shepard running out of the slot, I think that it makes sense that that's where Colt McCoy would look for most of his targets. But to your point, Evan Ingram, I also think is somebody who could get a decent amount of targets. Um, I wouldn't be willing to roster Colt McCoy quarterback or stack him with any of these wide receivers, but his one-off plays, I think these guys are in line to get a handful of targets. So that's where I think that they make sense. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent in agreement there. All right. So moving over to the tight end position, which is uh, an, another tough one this week, but, but first I'll, I'll do a read here. Guys, you get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes access to all the premium content and tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, and our premium Slack channel. So moving into the tight end now, and I wanted to get the ad read out of the way first. I don't want to talk about tight ends and then try to sell people on getting an Osmo Plus pass because we're about to read off some terrible tight end names and nobody's going to be like, oh, really? These guys talked about... uh, these guys talked about Ferkshire. Now I need now I need a now now I need an Osmo Plus subscription. But the reality is, this is where we're at with the tight end position this week because there's there's no Travis Kelsey on the slate. There's no George Kittle because he's been out for forever. Darren Waller was awful last week, and I, I do think this is a good bounce back spot for him against the Jets. But still, I mean, we look at the tight end, and it's the most popular plays of the position this week are Anthony Ferkshire and Jordan Akins. So are you going to ride with the chalk this week? Are you looking to get a little contrarian? What are you doing with the position that's been as hard as I could ever remember a position to fill in any DFS sport? Yeah, I feel like the whole DFS like world is just like finally on my level here with the cheap tight end, but they're <laughs> like being forced into it. So I don't like, I don't like being forced into the cheap tight end. Like you, you want to come to the, your conclusion on your own. I think this is, this is probably going to be a good week to, to go off some of these guys. Look, like I, I agree they're like Aikens, Ferks are sure they're in like more main pass catching roles now, but it's not like the tight ends in Tennessee are getting like 10 targets a game. Um, and, and look like again, Tennessee, like 5.5 favorites right now. Um, it could just be a Derrick Henry game and then Tannehill passes like 20 times. So 
I'll be fading that chalk. Uh, I might have a piece of Aikens. I think there's a way better chance that he ends up just getting uh, more targets to make him viable. Uh, I, I kind of like the fact that Ferkser is now pushing down Aikens' ownership. So again, you talked about the chalk between Aikens and Cook. I'd, I'd be more likely to swallow this chalk. Again, we're talking way less ownership on Aikens just compared to Cooks too. 12.2% now projected from Osimo. Again, you can check out those ownership guys with a, a weekly or a daily or a monthly, whatever subscription to the site. They're really valuable. Um, but I, I like going away from these guys, to be honest, this week. Um, you know, again, if you're tacking the Cleveland passing stack, Austin Hooper's in play. We just talked about Evan Ingram, so I won't go over that again, but I do kind of like that play. Um, someone from the Giants have to, has to be getting targets in that game. They're, they're 10 point underdogs. Um, so uh, I'm taking a, a small look at Hooper for, for stacks. Uh, Ingram, I'll probably try and mix in. Probably going to have exposure to Aikens, though, um, just because, you know, I'll, I'll want to make some lineups with cheap tight ends. But, you know, if you're asking me which one I prefer, I would prefer Aikens again. I think you got to look at the whole game script, consider that. And uh, Aikens to me is the guy who's more likely to get like eight, nine targets. How about our guy Kyle Rudolph, who I sure. mean, not that many people were on last week. He ended up being, you know, like 10% owned or something like that, but he wasn't all that popular. No Irv Smith. Irv Smith is once again going to be out this week. Eight targets for Kyle Rudolph last week. Now, were they downfield? No. Guy was getting targeted, you know, six, seven yard passes over the middle all all, all day last week, but ended up working out because he was uh, was probably like twenty six hundred, and he ended up catching seven of his eight targets for sixty eight yards. So just kind of getting those PPR points out of the tight end position, we've seen Kirk Cousins has no issue throwing the ball to, to Kyle Rudolph. So Rudolph, who has let's see, projected for four point one percent ownership this week, plus matchup against the Jaguars, I don't mind him as a cheap tight end play that people aren't really on. It's it's a really tough position to fill. I'm, I'm going to say the same thing that I've said about it in, in previous weeks. Spray and pray. Take some of these cheap guys, mix them in in lineups. I don't want to be way over-invested in any of these cheap tight ends, but I think that Ferkshire, there is some case to be made there with John o. Smith out. Jordan Akins, I think, is viable. Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Hunter Henry, I still think, is okay, and he's relatively cheap. It's just hard to look at any of these guys and be like, I really want to invest my money in them. I think a lot of them, you can make a case for them, but there's no one guy that really stands out. Is there one guy you think is like way better than the others in terms of a cheap option? No, no, hundred uh, percent agree. Like it's, like I said, I, I, I I'm just fading whoever's going to be popular right now. It looks like uh Ferkser. And like I said, I'm, I'm glad that he, at least he pushed Aikens, ownership down because then I, I, I don't mind getting so exposure to that. But again, it's more of, like you said, you're just kind of trying to, to play the, the ownership a little bit. And uh, I don't have like huge preferences. I think Rudolph makes a lot of sense there. Um, I, I'll even throw out, like, again, we like Jared Goff here. Tyler Higby destroyed Arizona in two matchups last year. Now it was different circumstances. Yes. hundred percent. They were going different personnel. And for whatever reason, they decided to make Tyler Higby their main pass catcher for like the last six weeks. But like we've, we, it could be, it could happen again is all I'm saying. So if you're using Jared Goff lineups, he's 3,400. We don't have a consensus guy. We like, um, again, I, I'm I, tight end is really going to be like a lineup by lineup position where I just, okay, do, is there a, a guy I want to correlate with my quarterback here? Is there a good comeback play? That's kind of going to be my take. It's not going to be like, okay, I'm just using Jordan Akins. I'm saving money here. I'm going there. I'm going to do that in some lineups, but it's really going to be a lineup by lineup thing. Um, and, and it, it probably be, uh, you know, really not crazy overweight on anyone. I, I do like the Rudolph call though. I, again, and look, we're talking about like one lineup. I would much rather use Rudolph than Higby. I, I don't, I don't want to get anyone that pr- impression, but uh, I'm just throwing it out because realistically that's the kind of week it feels like 
you know, Austin Hooper could be the play. Tyler Higby could be the play. Um, I, I think it's a week where, yeah, sprain prey is probably the best way to put it. So. One more situation I want to talk about is we've got Zach Ertz coming back for the Eagles. He hasn't played in a few weeks. Uh, let's see when was the last he was active. But Dallas Goddard has been – he hasn't played since week six against the Ravens. Dallas Goddard's been getting a lot of action in the passing game since getting healthy himself. Uh, last two weeks, he had six targets and then ten targets last week against the Seahawks. Ended up having seven catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. So with that considered – what do you think happens to Dallas Goddard's role now that Zach Ertz is back involved? Because if Goddard maintains the same role he had when Ertz was out, then I think there's a pretty good case to be made that he's way underpriced and underowned. I'm just not sure what to make of Zach Ertz's return to action. Do you think he becomes the number one tight end? Are they both going to be involved? Or is Ertz just totally done? Is he just total dust? And it's going to be the Dallas Goddard show still going forward. Yeah, this is a situation. It's good you brought it up too, because um, I, I agree. Like Goddard could actually end up being a play I get, I get heavy on, but it's going to be, it's, it, it's going to be like a last minute decision kind of thing, because I, I, I want to see what the Eagles are doing with Zach Ertz. Like we don't even know if they're going to activate him yet. I know he's off IR and he's practiced, but he's, he's not, he's questionable for the game. Right. Um, they've, they've kind of said like, if he, and, and the one thing they have said is if Zach Ertz plays, it's not going to be every down, like there's not a chance, right? Like they're easing him back in, but at the same time, if he is active and, and, and they're like, Oh, we're going to put him out there for a few plays. It's still pretty concerning. Um, like this is a guy who Carson Wentz loves the Eagles, you know, haven't gotten any chemistry with Wentz or any other receivers. If Ertz plays, he's going to suck up a couple targets. Like there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. So I still think Goddard, who's looked really good the last couple of weeks is the better player. I think long-term um, he, he, he could, he could still go off with Ertz there, but it's definitely more concerning. If Ertz doesn't play, I would, I won't have a problem shifting uh, to be overweight Goddard because I feel like, again, we've talked about all these guys. I actually think Goddard on his own there would project out to be like, he's a main pass catching tight end. He's a guy who's gotten the most consistent targets over here. I I would actually say he probably would stand out as a consensus best play if Ertz is inactive. But again, we don't really know yet. So um, that's going to be a situation I'm definitely watching. Any other tight ends you want to bring up? I think we've pretty much exhausted them all. Yeah, not really. I, mean, I think we could go back to actually, like, we never really touched on to Greg. Like, we need your take here. Who, who are you playing, Lockett or Metcalf? Like, oh, that is true. I was actually going to save that for my stack at the end, though. Okay, okay, no, no. If you're going to save it for the end, that's <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Um, yeah, but uh, I, we didn't really touch on like Keenan Allen or, or like Hopkins or or anything like that. Like, is there any? I mean, I don't really have a hot take on any one of those guys. I think Hopkins maybe is like a low DeAndre Hopkins. I was like a low end wide receiver with, with Murray, but um, was there any other like wide receivers there from the top end that like stood out to you just quickly? I, I think it's going to be a slate that I mostly save money at wide receiver. I'm probably going to be apt to pay up at running back this week. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much how I was feeling too. Just wanted to see, I, I'll, I'll probably, like I said, using Kyler Murray, I'll probably throw DeAndre Hopkins in there if I'm targeting that Rams game. But again, it's more of just a, a lineup by lineup thing. Well, if you want to compare some of the projections we have for those high-priced wide receivers and running backs, the free content of the day is the NFL player projections. So that is something to check out on awesomeo.com as you start to build your lineups for tomorrow. So, Jeff, getting into defenses now. I have a defense take this week. Rare, oh. rare defense take. And I think, I think you could get on board with this. This is good because I don't actually really have a defense take for once. <laughs> so the line's defense is 2,500. Defensive scoring is generally random anyway. Everybody's rostering all these Bears guys. You really are really that confident that Mitchell Trubisky is going to play well this week, guys? I know I'm not. Uh, and it's not to say I think the Lions' defense is any good, but 
if you're just mixing and matching some defenses with your lineups, I think it makes sense to get some exposure to the Lions defense and lineups that don't have Trubisky, that don't have David Montgomery, because as bad as the Lions defense is, I'm not sure the Bears offense is any better. So this is kind of a stoppable force meets a movable object. And then, hey, we'll just see what kind of plays out and how it works. I think there's a decent chance that the Bears offense bust and the Lions defense is able to put up, you know, 10 or 12 fantasy points, something like that. And at their near min price, I think that that is the, I think that is the the value play that I like, not just for the price, but also for the leverage. Yeah. Um, it really does feel like one of those weeks where I'm, I'm just going to be, again, I don't really have a hot take with the defense, like in the mid tier or anything that I really like enough that I, I feel like, Oh, I'm just going to pay up and this is a good value. And these guys are too cheap. It, 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 I'm just looking at guys like 25 or teams that are 2,500 or less. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like throwing them in there. Like I'll probably play the jets again um, who ended up being okay last week. Um, I think the jets are, you know, look, I mean, this, this Raiders thing could be imploding a little bit. Who, who knows? I mean, it is, it is still Derek Carr. Um, so uh, now they've lost Josh Jacobs. So I, I, I could get down with them. Probably not going to play the Giants against Russell Wilson. I just don't see the upside. Cincinnati, I think, is going to be in play for me too. Patriots, yeah, probably, I'd probably rather play the Lions too. So I think Lions, Bengals, Jets, uh, just YOLO it for, for defense this week. That's kind of my take as well. Like uh, min price save money then you can pay up for guys like cooks maybe you want to get Devonte adams in there with a rod or something but that's the way i'm looking at it because you know even going up to the mid-tier like okay i kind of like the colts but i don't really like them that much with deshaun watson who isn't really throwing interceptions you know um cardinals eh, like they're not really that good at defense like you really got to pay up for for like a good defense this week and, and i hate paying more than like 3200 so we are going uh full just you know Full cheap mode. Just, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the show almost done. Of course, we're going to finish with our favorite sack week. But first, guys, give us a like. Give us a thumbs up on the video. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also subscribe to the Awesome Boat Podcast Network. And with that in mind, Jeff, stack of the week. Who do you have for week 13? I'm going to go Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, coming back with Derek Henry. I think uh, Tennessee allowing a ton of points still. I think Landry Baker Mayfield sees some continuation here. Yeah. You know what? I, I think I, I was thinking about, could this be the Tyler Lockett week? Except here's the thing. He's <laughs> been so inconsistent this year and it's not even been inconsistent at this point. It's kind of just been consistently bad. And we're at a point where for some reason, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, there isn't that much of a difference in their price. And there isn't that much difference in their ownership either. They're both pretty low owned this week. So with that in mind, I think this is a better slate to, Stack DK Metcalf with Russell Wilson. I know it's expensive, except there are some cheaper wide receivers I like also. And DK Metcalf, the targets have just been there for him more consistently, particularly lately. Uh, he has He's coming off a 13-target game. He had 10 receptions for 177 yards against the Eagles. Overall, we've been seeing the targets go more and more towards DK Metcalf as the season's gone on. And as I've said on Twitter at, at points this year, at this time next year, I think that unquestionably we're going to be thinking of DK Metcalf as the best wide receiver in the NFL. I, I think that I, I just think he's that talented. I don't, I don't know who else will be in the mix. Like maybe people will be able to make a case for Devonte Adams, but just given the way that DK Metcalf is trending and given how fast he is, the tools, I, I think that he's going to be the guy who's just the no doubt number one wide receiver, both for real life and fantasy going forward. So I think that this is another good slate for DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson and not that much ownership on them. So, all right, that is going to wrap up the show for this week. Once again, guys, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And Tyler, 
thank you for producing the show for us. Welcome aboard. Filling in admirably for Jordan this week. So that'll do it for us, guys. We also have On the Contrary coming up and MMA Live Before Lock on the YouTube channel. So check out those shows as well.